Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. Hey, hey, everybody. It's been a minute. It's been a minute, but with me, I got Charlie. Hello. Welcome back from the summer break. And uh, and we've done some audio video magic, so also joining us, Tyler again. How's it going? Excellent. So we've got uh, one hell of a setup. Charlie and I are together. Tyler is remote, but he's got a new microphone. It doesn't sound like he's talking into a coffee can. And we're going to go for it. No, Sarah. She's too cool for us, but uh, whatevs. Uh, so we got a topic today. I guess, Charlie, do, we, do you want to talk about the uh, the maid thing at all, or do we just want to jump into the topic topic? Um, yeah, we debuted uh, Heavy Bikes at Made, which is the largest North American custom bike show. Heavybikes.net, cast.bike. That's my redirect uh, URL. Just pretty interesting. Sure. Instead of .com, you got .bike now, so that's pretty cool. That's cool. Um, we were the only, uh, well, I can't say that. We were one of two bikes that didn't didn't arrive made out of tubes, which is interesting. Um, what was the other one made out of? Uh, my friend Will from uh, Canada, uh, I believe Quebec, um, he milled a full suspension mountain bike out of a single piece of billet. Oof. Talk about making chips. Talk about automation. Oof. Yeah, so he taught himself how to operate a CNC, and uh, he's built six bikes and quit his job, and he does Tool. His name of the company is Tool Rides, I believe. And um, double check that for me. And um, he does beautiful work. Uh, I could definitely utilize uh, his skills in uh, making heavy bike. Heavy bike, uh, the hypocrite is what we're calling the uh, the model we've brought to market is a gravel bike and uh, full custom bespoke bicycle built to your geometry and mass requirements, ride style, etc. With the idea that you can do 3D printed uh, molds that then drive a cast bike that's pressurized solidification benefits from pressurized solidification from foundry casting systems. This other little startup I've got going and that's at fcs-apc.com. And so we do pressurized solidification. And what that does is in a sand mold, we physically squeeze the molten metal before fractional solids occur. And in squeezing the metal in a liquid state, you get higher density part, which then means you have better tensile strength, better elongation. It also enables you to make thinner sections. So on the bike, we're inside of two millimeters in a couple different areas. Probably and like the middle of the top tube or what would have been the top tube kind of. A yeah, thing. yeah, the second, you know, moving from head tube to seat tube, the back half of the top tube is kind of a joke. Uh, you can get pretty dainty. Um, we got dainty and then we remove material. Um but it's a, you know, it's a prototype. There's a lot of um, to-be-developed manufacturing technology and capacity that we've got to get knocked out before I think we can very well take it to the market. But right now, yeah, if you gave me a large enough pile of money, I could make you, we could make you a bike. Um, so that's fun. We had a lot of great feedback, got a lot of interviews, a lot of generous um, uh, energy was uh, passed from, I, get to, I can't believe I'm saying this, fellow frame builders. It's... It's weird. I've been thinking about doing this for probably 10 to 15 years and to be an actual frame builder and have an ISO certificate for frame building and 
riding two different prototypes and the the generational gap that we crossed um you know shout out to garski and him getting me to read the book uh crossing the chasm right yeah no i'm big fan of that one yeah for sure. you know so we've we've physically done that now because we have frame zero which went to destructive testing and then we went to uh frame one which is our first rideable prototype and that was you know that could that's a giant person's frame right it's uh i mean a six foot tall individual my geometry but you'll be able to carry confidently a 300 pound rider on that frame with a 3x safety factor so 300 pound rider with 100 pounds of gear to go into the woods uh and you know go camping bike bike endurance efforts and things like that so now we have the hypocrite which the idea was is to get that that prototype that first rideable prototype exceeded 10 pounds uh, in terms of frame weight, and this one is inside of eight, and we we didn't get to take talk about automation myths. We didn't get to take advantage of CAM, which is computer aided manufacturing, because we had a giant software issue in traversing from uh, an Autodesk product called Alias, which is a surface modeling uh, product that outputs a wireframe uh, file. And that okay. wireframe file generally drives artists and designers to make uh, clay models of cl- uh, cars and uh, the exterior of auto, uh, an automobiles. Uh, car panels are generally where it gets used. And then to traverse from a wireframe to a solid part, and a solid part is what is used um, to keep our, our podcast, uh, we say within the boundaries of the podcast here, <laughs> uh, the solid part is what drives that CAM file, that computer-aided manufacturing. And the computer-aided manufacturing then follows the geometry of that solid part file. So if you don't have a solid part, you cannot take advantage of CAM. And we got close. It was incredible to learn that there it is to be a solid part is not a binary thing, as one would think, being a digital file. It is quite possibly you can have a 98% solid part. And then we ended up having that, and then we we got we refined that some more, and we got to an, uh, a file size exceeding and nearing 400 megabytes. And because the bike has all these dimpled surfaces to convey that to the mold, so then we get the negative of that um, dimple, and that then conveys that the bike looks fast while sitting still, right? Because there's nothing faster than air over air, so that's why a golf ball has dimples. That dimple creates a pocket of air and then air moves over that dimple that little pocket of air that little bubble of air excuse me so you get some Bernoulli games going on there he creates some low pressure zones since we on all the forward facing surfaces we have dimples so down tube head tube and the front of the seat tube and the idea with heavy bike is that it because it is in a tubed frame yes there are tubes that are milled with CNCs and, and, and um, metal chip making material uh, equipment, as Garski likes to call it, chip makers. Um, <laughs> so you make metal chips by grinding out metal. We cut away the path for the steer tube of the fork. We cut away the bottom bracket uh, space. And that's for, all a post processing thing, right? It's so all it's post processing, exactly. cast and exactly. You but you have to cut. accommodate that in the solid part and then assemble it virtually. And that, you know, that's, that's where automation is very beneficial too, is then when you have that assembly, then you can model riding the bike. 
to one of the most common questions we get on our Instagram, which is heavy double underscore bikes, is how did you get to this? You know, it's like, okay, how much am I going to give away? Because uh, I like to call heavy bikes uh, and foundry casting systems the master's degree in metallurgy that I never got but always wanted. And so what we're, we're, we've learned is we've learned how to design compliance modeling within SolidWorks so that we can run these bikes virtually, right, and test them without actually casting them. So that's a lot of fun. And we exceeded over 25 hours of that. And then we did about 30 plus hours of casting simulation as well um, in, in two different uh, software products from Alta Air and then one from Magma. And so the, those, those are where lessons are learned. That's where you get to make iterative changes faster uh, at, a, at a lower cost because you're not actually making anything. And remember, cost is two things. It's dollars and time. It's never one or the other. It's always both. Uh, it's one of the biggest things I think I've learned in the last 12 months of this effort, going from the rideable prototype in September of last year to the presentation it made in August of this year. So in 11 months, we completely iterated the bike. We completely changed uh, the shape of the bike, the compliance of the bike. We signed up and secured um, a UDH uh, license with SRAM, so we integrated What's a that UDH? universal derailleur hanger. So it. it's again, it's it's an it's a it's an instance where having standards like we have in automation, right? So we have, you know, the reason why Garski and I are good friends is because of our relationship in the past at Wago, which is an IEC six eleven thirty one capable software. So that standard enables people to make things and accommodate future designs, and and it also enables you to transcend boundaries and borders and brands. And that's what the universal derailleur hanger does. If you blow your derailleur hanger and you're riding, you know, from Paris to Peking, China, well, you can likely find a UDH in, in uh, Istanbul, right? Um, for a bike that was built in Minnesota, right? So, so that's really cool. Fun, real story, not fun, actually. I was up with uh, another guy that's been on the podcast, Justin Danielski. This is dating back... 20, 25 years ago, we were riding up at Lutzen, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and for those of you following along at home, Lutzen is along the Superior, Lake Superior Shore. It's all... Uh, it's the land ocean. Yeah, and it's slate rocks, and it's it's wet, Granite. right? Because the, the water's coming out of the ground, and uh, it was like day one of day... And they used to run the lifts up there in the summertime, so we were downhilling, and... Uh, Still do. Do they? Awesome. I'll have to go back up. Uh so as we're descending, we come up on this little creek, and uh, I'm leading, and I decide to, to roll this creek. And, uh, of course, wet rocks are slippery. Um, so exactly what you just described, my bike goes out from underneath me. I bend my derailleur hanger and my derailleur and, and jacked a spoke. Ooh. Yeah, right. So I get back to town, Grand Marais, 15, 20 minutes down the road. And of course, I can find a derailleur, right? It's not an XTR, it's an LX. But at this point, as long as it's compatible with the ratio, I don't care. Mm -hmm. But then I had to call the bike maker in California. It was kind of a boutique bike and have them overnight. It's Ellsworth, right? What's that? Your Ellsworth? Yeah, the yeah. Ellsworth, yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm on the phone with them and I'm like, I need you to take two or three derailleur hangers, put them in a box and overnight them to the middle of nowhere. And they're like, do you understand that the shipping is going to cost 10x the parts? And I said, do it all the time. Yeah. I'm like, this is my, this is my job, but it's either do this or don't ride. So mm -hmm. 
ship me parts. So or rent a bike. Well, and at that time they didn't rent bikes, right? Oh, like, this yeah, this predated a lot of that stuff. So I guess that was your Ellsworth is old. Uh, yeah, coming up on probably twenty years now. So uh, I, I I dig the the UDH, um, and as we dig into today's topic, which is around standards, uh, I think this is an example where it works. Um, well, and, and the other idea we we talked about beforehand was about the right to repair. So to guide to like like I can pull this on the rails. It's beautiful. I see the runway. Um, the UDH and the timing of made for the release of the heavy bike hypocrite, we were advised that we should go after and build the bike with the SRAM uh, SL access Eagle transmission. So it's no longer called a derailleur. It's a transmission. And if you want to talk about automation, this thing has full um, Bluetooth connectivity, right? So I've got a mullet set up on the hypocrite, which means the party up front, or excuse me, party in the back and, and business up front. So in the bike world, it's road up front, mountain bike in the back. So we run a 1052 cassette in the back, a SRAM Red. It's a beautiful piece of um, kit in terms of machining and CNC and the um, the games you can play with computer-aided manufacturing. Because of computer-aided manufacturing and the automation within that product offering and the development and the iterations and the technology that's been built and the precision that's available, they're, they're tuning both sides of the gear ring that makes up each of the 12 discs for the cassette. So, mm. And then they're corresponding that with the chain, right? So the chain is flat on top and curved to correspond to the, the cassette itself. And then all of that then goes through this transmission where the individual pulleys are able to be actuated and the amount of DC drive tech inside of that thing powered by a little lithium battery that is all of you know, 150% of my thumb from the last knuckle to the tip. I mean, it's beautiful. And then you have this system that can be interfaced with their, their app from SRAM and you can program how many times do you want to shift? If you double tap, does it shift and dump the gears? You know, does it shift differently? And then just the sound of it is worth the cost. I mean, honestly, it's it's ridiculous. It's completely unnecessary. But the I mean, because there's more than one transmission. I believe they have five different models. But I mean, if if you're gonna build a show bike, fortunately you go all the way. And so when you ride this thing, it. it it's unlike any bike I've ever ridden, and it's a lot of fun because of that transmission experience. And then your fact that you don't have tubes underneath, you have solid aluminum. It, it has a different ride characteristic altogether. It feels dead, um, which is good, right? Like in that sort of a bike. Yeah, and the what dead at the bottom bracket, it, yeah, because of how stiff it is. But to be honest, uh, we've got a lot of compliance work to improve uh, with the rear triangle. Um, it's it, I'm straight up riding a prototype, and... Um, you know, I I'm happy that the the way aluminum works, it's not going to just burst. Right. Um, but I hope I'm the only one that it, it happens to. Like when it, if if and when it does break, yeah. I mean I I trust the math, right? Like we land, we built the bike on Wednesday. Made was on uh, was build up on Wednesday afternoon, and then build up Thursday morning, and then Thursday morning at 10 a.m. it opened to the media for five hours. Sure. And sure. I rode the bike at 835 for the first time. 
on oh, Thursday wow. morning. I, I'm looking That's at this crazy. and uh, I, I just I, I saw this magic wheel that SRAM's uh, advertising where it looks like it's a bearing on a bearing inside of those little cogs that are on your derailleur. Mm-hmm. Um, transmission. It, transmission now, yes. And it doesn't like lock up the chain and shear it off on itself, which is a gigantic leap forward if any totally. of you... Totally. Uh, but, but the question is, is how much of that can be repaired? And I don't know this. How much of that can be repaired by your standard bike shop? Right? Because have you seen the... Have you ever seen the exploded view on a XTR derailleur? I'm looking at it right now. It, well, I'm looking at the GX, but yes. It's... it's f- 55 parts, I believe. Yeah. And they have it. There's a picture of it at Shimano's headquarters when you walk in. I've seen this on, I believe, yep. Instagram or their website. And it's it's a wall, like all cool corporate uh, building. You know, when you make a cool part, you should just show it, right? And so you show the craftsmanship that it takes to make that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's somebody's job just to make one of those pulleys. And that's their job. Right, and that might mean they they have to program a, a CNC machine. It might mean they have to do the design work. It might be two people, for all we know, three, sure. several material selection, et cetera, et cetera. But that amount of craftsmanship and just that pulley, and then the fact that there's an after. Do you know this, uh, Tyler? There's an aftermarket pulley business. <laughs> What do you mean after? Oh yeah, because I I actually I've bought a. Uh... So I let's see let's see you're fancy and you're riding a, a campy record drivetrain. I have a campy record on my my road bike. I could upgrade according to the manufacturer of this third party pulley kit to ceramic speed, and these ceramic speed pulleys out have replaced the pulleys in your bike derailleur from Campy Record, which is arguably one of the best road derailers out there, and it's like okay. What can you repair? What can you replace? You can't go in. To my knowledge, nobody's selling aftermarket photo upgrades for your iPhone or camera upgrades, right? Uh, you can get a, well, not a, not native. You can do the bolt-on the thing. But, one. Yeah. yeah, Correct, correct. But we all know the difference. Uh, man, there's so many dick jokes on that one. I'm on a board. Well, so the other one is like Absolute Black is one that I've followed that does uh, aftermarket, uh, you know, parts for drivetrains and then like on my uh my trek fuel i put one of those oval chain rings on the front from wolf tooth right but yep. shout out to wolf tooth wolf tooth minnesota right i believe yep. great guys and so girls. so what's awesome there is like it was compatible with the system like you you i walked into freewheel uh where i get all my work done and uh they just do it right you just say hey here's my drivetrain and they're like yep we got all the tools. Yeah, and, and, and Wolftooth, but when the SRAM access transmissions came out, they quickly released with same level of detail and sculpting of the teeth on the front chainring because the, the Hypocrite's built with a 1x12 drivetrain, so there's no front derailleur. It just runs a single front chainring, so it's a 42 tooth up front, and then it's 10 to 52 teeth in the back. And so that enables you to move quickly, but not as quickly as a road bike. And uh, what are we looking at here, buddy? I don't know. Oh. Tyler sent us a comic. I'm trying to zoom in, but I'm not smart enough. Tyler's just trying to re-enter the chat here. So have you ever heard of this term, <laughs> uh, nerd sniping? Yeah, tell me about it. So it's uh, this comic, XKCD. Um, and it you kind of have to check it out. It's XKCD. 
dot com slash three five six. But essentially, it's these like stick figure nerd sarcasm jokes. And so he's talking about like the new sport he created was he like sits out front of a university, hands people crossing the street a like really intense problem, and then they get so locked in to it that they just completely miss what they're doing and get hurt, you know, hit by a bus. Wow. They they deem this thing nerd sniping. So that's that's totally what's happened since you jumped into the call. Like, <laughs> like ever since you started talking, I'm like, oh man, I got to check heavy bikes. And then I had like 700 questions and then I started looking at uh, FCS and I'm like, oh, that's how they solved that. Wow. This is so anyway, I'm, I'm no, back. you're totally, I, I've been thinking about how to get you in the conversation too, but Garski, uh, you know, he, he walked up to the dam and he kicked it open by saying, do you want to talk about made? I'm like, well, I haven't seen Garski since I went to made and Garski, um, is the impetus, you know, one of the, the chubby for, guy in the room. Yeah. I mean, well, he's, he's <laughs> one of the reasons why we made the bike and it was like, okay, you know, Garski used to program welding robots. He bought a brand new Trek fuel two years ago. He told me when I rode the bike, uh, it's going to crack at the head tube um, where the head tube connects to the top tube. Someday. And someday. And it is an aluminum frame and it is good for 300 pounds and Garski's inside that limit. And he knows that if he cases a jump, he's going to crack it there. As, as you know, you can shake your head. I agree. But the point is, is the same week, Lexus, the company that has the highest list of quality, recalled a bunch of NX SUVs because of welding, you know, issues in the chassis. So everybody makes errors. They're using automation, and they made an error. This frame was most likely automated and welded by Trek, and great. They make great stuff. But can we inspire more confidence for people who are on we're approaching the margins of the limits. Yeah, that's what we set out to do, and that's what we did with Heavy Bike. Um, Speaking of uh, the margins of limits, you got to tour a place that I've wanted to go see for a long, long time. Dude, just book the flight. It's easy. Yeah, I can give you to Kirby's phone number. Chris King Bicycle Components. And Tyler, I don't know if you're familiar. I am. Um, the best hubs headsets and bottom brackets on the face of the earth right and uh there's a they, they got run for their money right now uh, well cool. and, and there's a there's a minnesota brand that's yeah. um, onyx racing hubs shout yeah. out they they were great at the show we built the bike with uh with head wheels and head hubs i don't remember who makes uh the hubs for head maybe head does i but, should know but but i'm gonna go on there's and a say, lot of great products out there but chris king is a storied brand and it's fantastic, right? So I, I gave away a bike that I built 20 years ago. And, and talking about bringing it back to uh, serviceability. So King Hubs, you can service forever, much like the Onyx ones. Yep. Um, those hubs over 20 years have only gotten faster. So I gave away a, a previous bike of mine. It's been serviced like three times in 20 years on the hubs. Um, and it's got 26-inch wheels. Riding down the road, we were up at Duluth getting ready to go to and from the, uh, the the lift to the trail. My buddy didn't have to pedal, and he blew the doors off me with those old Chris King hubs. They just <laughs> they burn in. They get so awesome. 
I uh, when, when well, I saw the photos, I was jealous. That's sure. kind of the other thing. That's like the impetus back to the game with the bike. Like, why is it called heavy bikes? Well, because we were riding around, and I was spraying this idea after having this conversation with Garski, and I've had the idea since October of a of nineteen. I remember I contacted my uh, friend about it when I had the idea, and just to kind of document it. And I was like, okay, if you're gonna make a solid bike, people are like, oh, it's gonna be heavy. It's gonna be heavy. It's like, dude, maybe you're heavy. Maybe you want a heavy bike. Maybe you want the confidence that comes with knowing that there's not a bunch of air underneath your butt. You know, I mean, obviously the tires are there and that's all just a goof. But the the point is, is like, hey, let's take the piss right out of the comment. And that's why we call it heavy bikes. And it's fun. And um, it's it's fun to make something that hasn't been done. Well, yeah, Kirk Precision made cast magnesium bikes, but... They didn't work out. They didn't last more than six weeks or so, and they disintegrated, and they spent $4 million in early 90s money to make cast magnesium bikes, and it didn't work out. Um, magnesium is an interesting material. Yeah, talk too. about a reactive pile of scariness. It'll burn your house down. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like, okay, can we use all the technology that's used in transportation and, and, and military stuff to make really cool bikes? Yeah, we, we're doing that. Um, is it is it a business yet? Uh, it's to be determined. I think it could be if uh, I had a few bucks in, in my own space. Right. Um, so that's the game. Just get my, get a few more bucks and get our own space, and we'll, we'll turn it up to 11. So here we are 25 minutes in, and... Uh you asked about me. I know. <laughs> I, and I feel like we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to continue talking about made at some point. Cause it's just uh, a ton of opportunity in, in manufacturing and the bikes sure. provide a context to talk about automation and how it's used. Absolutely. And, you know, um, it, and, and coming up. So the, the, the topic we had thrown out there prior and, and shout out to Sarah for uh, helping us with some topic ideas. Cause we were on the struggle bus there too. But was around the the right to repair, and then also some of the government mandates coming out around effectively part selection. Um, and so we talked a little bit, and I think Charlie, you mentioned the the John Deere case that we talked about once before. Um, the one that bothers me, and, and I know here's where we're going to turn it over to Tyler for a hot minute, and we can sip on our uh, liquid death. Um, this idea of forcing Apple into a USB C connection. Yeah, didn't that really come from Europe? It absolutely did. So yeah. it is totally a Europe thing. And shout out to Europe for, you know, pointing out that we shouldn't have, you know, three different ways of charging things up. But I'm going to disagree with you. But I'm going to let Tyler explain his Isn't opinion. Isn't it just the inverse? Is that all the Thunderbolt was? Well, I, I have so, some... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so my, my understanding is that when Lightning came out, like there was there was nothing on the market that could support what Apple was trying to do. Correct. It's all about timing and capacities. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of split on that because you like, you led the market so far out, so far ahead. And now eventually somebody caught up to you and now you're forced to go to the, the standard, which I personally will be happy to have a single cable that charges everything. But um, I don't know. There's, there's kind of a mixed, it's mixed. At least it's for somebody that's, a manufacturer. Yeah, but let's let's look at let's look at what Apple really did. Okay. And let's 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 call a spade a spade because Steve Jobs talks about it in the book that Walter Ias wrote. Is that his name? Walter Isaacson, excuse me. Um 
I got that right? Uh, where he said, if you make a product, yeah, you've got it up there, don't you? Yep. If I you make, it. yeah, thank you. If you make a product, you have to see it as an ecosystem unto itself. And so then you support, and I'm going to use this word, and people might think about the negative context of it, but you have to think about the business positivity about this. You exploit that ecosystem for as much profit as possible. That is Steve and everybody else's job at Apple is to do that. And so you, to your point, they make a, a higher capacity at the time when lightning came out higher capacity or highest available at the time. Yes. Yes. Yep. yep. And then you get to buy that, make your people, your customers buy that captive stuff. It's like, Damn it, I pay $15 for a Coke and a popcorn. And the popcorn makes me sick. But I do it every time I go to AMC. And the only reason why I get sick is because I eat too much of it. It's not the popcorn or the quality of the popcorn. But you know what I mean? You have a captive audience. So that's the deal. It's the it, it, it's going to reduce profit to some regard, right? Because you're going to have more competition Right, because remember the days where you couldn't buy accessories that were made for Apple or basically had that third-party licensing yeah. like permission slip. Yep. Think of yeah, how much profit they have. Because yeah, exactly, they've done this repeatedly for years, and the only thing that got them to stop it was to save the environment. So, uh, on the on the devil's advocate side of this, and this flies right up against heavy bikes. Right. Sure, but we're custom bespoke. We're not going to build thousands, dude. If we build thousands, but we're but driving, all that aside, right? Like, and, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna spin it into to EV in a second here too. But like, the reason I don't love the government getting involved saying thou shall use connector C, right? USB C is uh, free market. Well, the free market, but also the, the potential to stifle innovation, right? So when I think about, and, and by the way, I'm not an Apple fanboy. I just really appreciate the ecosystem. But I look back to uh, when when Thunderbolt first came out, right? Um, made USB-C look like child's, or USB-A at the time, it's 1.0. Made it look like child's play, right? And and as they've continued to move these these protocols down the road... Yep, they've come with different connectors. So guess what? But They're they, going to go right around this, dude. They're going to go right around this. Well, I, I hope so. You you already you already spouted off why they're going to do it too. You just you just you missed it. It's all going to be in the ecosystem. They're going to go completely around it and they're going to do things that are crazier with inductive charging and perfect wireless like I mean, what if they say, hey, man, check this out. I mean, do you have an inductive charger uh, uh, there, yep. Tyler? Right? Yep. Is that, what is that? Is that a 30-millimeter disc, the one from yeah. Apple? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. What if they figure out a way to to directly transfer data right into the processor because they locate the processor over the inductive charging area? So, therefore, you can, you can I mean, look what they did with AirDrop, right? AirDrop is probably the greatest reason to be in the ecosystem as deep as without Garsky a doubt is, right? yeah for sure right because how dumb is it that because i have a lenovo laptop i have to email myself photos because it's the most efficient way to get them in there now with dropbox i just throw them into dropbox and then i then they're there on my computer so i got around it that way but yeah the, I pay the one justin a month sorry the one justin and i were talking about before you jumped on like 
like do your parents have an iPhone? Like correct. Have you had to help them pair their headphones? No, but I've got a son who does it for me. It's great. Yeah, it could you don't have to explain what correct. Bluetooth is. Yeah, you just don't turn have to, it on, open it up. Like open it up, go set it by your phone. Like And for the record, I'm in the camp that Bluetooth is woefully under-executed. You're going to have to explain that a little more. I want to prioritize my AirPod Pros above all other devices within the vicinity every time. There should never be... And then I want to I prioritize my phone over my laptop. There should never be a confusion, right? And then when I get in my car, if I'm on the phone call with Justin and I go start my car, it shouldn't say, oh, Sony's here. They get to be at the party. Nope. I want to stay on the phone call and I want to prioritize the phone call to my AirPod Pros because I want a better experience for the person on the other end of the phone. It's 2023. These are the things we need to demand of the market. Meanwhile, the innovation team at Apple is just scribbling right now. They got like it's seven fine. new ideas. I'm available. <laughs> I'm available. I've got an LLC. You can pay me a consulting fee. You can be there tomorrow. Yeah, I, 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 I get, I get how and why we got here. I just, I think about like what you happens. You experienced it when we started this up. The fact that you, it, it, the AirPlay changed the the roadcaster to the tv why can't you oh, yeah. prioritize the devices yeah we do it in automation all the time right we have a priority of start order for motors in a plant but it that so that's a software thing right so totally we're, and we're, what is apple half of a software company right and yep. we got hosed because we're using google meet totally exactly i got hosed because i tried to over. i tried to jump from uh, DD, what is it? Delta D, from Alias to SolidWorks. Talk about, you know, talk about getting just nailed by software. Whew. Right. I don't know. I I so get standards nervous. are helpful. They're but helpful. I think that will. I think to your point, what's going to happen? My prediction is they're going to say, "Oh, we got to play by the rules over here." And what do they like to do? Break the rules. I, I'm a, I'm, I like to consider myself a change vector. So guess what? They're gonna go and turn it up to 11 on inductive charging, or they're gonna, they're gonna do something cooler with Bluetooth than AirDrop. Yeah, I, I'm split on this because I, I agree with you. Anything that drives innovation in the market, 100%. And I think, and I think to your point, that's what, that's what's gonna happen here. We don't have, we don't have a competitive advantage on USB-C anymore. So we have to bring something to the market that is going to drive more business. I mean, yay for innovation, 100%. I, I'm still stuck on government or any entity forcing a business to do something. You know, like... We do it all heavy, the time. We do it all the right, time. Right, but like back to heavy bikes. So say you, you created some proprietary, uh, you know, super transmission that is proprietary to heavy bikes, has some sweet clip on easy to snap in and off you know you can change the whole transmission in three clicks um you know some special connector but now the market has dictated that you can't use that proprietary thing because everybody else uses this other one like i don't know it just seems it seems like an overstep well and again i think about ev batteries right like 
we're, we're going to, every manufacturer is going to have a different battery. There's well, an example. Different voltages. Where, well, right. Well, and, and, and God forbid phone Tesla. batteries were the same or camera batteries, right? Like I love double A's, um, but I'm, I'm sitting next to this Canon LP-E6 battery that only works in one of my three cameras. Yeah, but like, material science is, is where the innovation is going to come with in batteries, right? The minute you get to be able to, why is your AA the size it is? Well, because that's what works for that battery technology. And then lithium just fills the void. And that Canon battery is somebody saying, hey, we don't want to put AA's in here. We want to fill the void as as complete as possible, right? Sure. And so, but, what wasn't there like a isn't there like an effort to make the battery the car panel in EVs or the chassis? And largely, it is. And right? then, yeah, but then you then you start reducing the weight because you get the shape and like I mean, they're still basically double A's if I'm not mistaken in a lot of those cells. Yeah, yeah, give or take. Yeah. yeah. So, what if we got to a point where we weren't making just cylinders? And we got to just flow the media, you know, kind of like we fill a mold for a bike and we could fill whatever void you wanted in your car and then connect two leads to it. And that'd be great. What if the government comes in and says, thou shall only use double A's? It's coming. You're right. To your point. I hear you. But they'll go around it. Well, hopefully. They'll say, this is. Double A's filled cells. Well, we're not using filled cells, so we're jumping over here. But, I mean, all of this has existed. I mean, I you know, if you Wikipedia format wars, like, the first one in there is, like, ace, you know, direct current versus alternating current. Correct. And I've got, that should be updated right now. And then all the way, all the way to, you know, DVD plus R or minus R, you know, and you can go back through. But this is the first time, I think, if, if I'm not mistaken... This dates all this cable debate in cell phones dates all the way back to the early 2000s where you had USB-C, USB-B, Apple, and, and then you had like the, the mini, right? So the Europeans were like, dude, we got, we walk into a, a petrol station and we got 75 cables for sale and at four different lengths and everybody's losing the cable that's coming with the phone. And then Apple started not shipping a charger when they started like iPhone 7, right? Remember that? And it was just a cable, right? So like they, they're like, hey, there's too many. We're producing too many cables, or China is, and shipping them. And they're littering all over Europe. And, and the Europeans are like, ah, well, that's stupid. That's what drove this. Correct? This is, that was the impetus? Yeah. Yep. Well, so <laughs> now it's two. Now we're at two because Apple jumped out to a lead and then it went to two, right? Because it effectively has gone to two, right? USB-C if you're an Android and, or a Nokia and then it's, or you have a Bose headphones. And then if you have Apple, you're in lightning land, right? Right. Or yep. Thunderbolt, excuse me. Now, again, let's let's go back to the bike example. What if, somebody came down and said the only way you can connect a derailleur is this UDH. You're okay. I'm okay. But, but if you're a uh, Shimano house. Uh, it works with Shimano. It's, it's, I've had, I think it even works with Campy. I'm pretty sure it does. Okay. Yep. So all it is is it just standardizes the interface between the frame and the derailleur. 
Got it. So that yeah, there's I mean, always going to be a consistent height and things like that. As a consumer, I, you know, 100%. Because now, you know, to the bike example, I can go do a transplant and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a consumer, great for consumer. Like, that's awesome. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's a business, there's 250 derailleur hangers in a catalog. And you just order it. That's the that's the probably forty percent of the known market, right? Got it. So that's why the UDH exists because it was it was the phone cable argument worse because we just tallied up it was four phone different charging ports back in the day, right? And then you had proprietary ones, right? If you had a really uh, terrible phone, like uh, the oh, Motorola. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the old square one? Was that a uh, Blackberry or a Palm Trail? Yeah, you remember that? Bar- the... I had a Blackberry. Blackberries are awesome. <sighs> I miss my Blackberry. The tactile feedback on the phone on the buttons is just—it's close now, but it's still not there. I'm sure they'll get there. So what we're coming away with is standards are good. What are they going to do with seat posts? What's up with those? I don't think you'll ever get it with seat posts. There's too many options. There's dropper seat posts. There's big guy seat posts. There's little girl seat posts. There's split seat posts. There's ex- there's elastic seat oval posts. shaped ones. Oval shaped ones. What's and then up you with got, that? Yeah, arrow people. You know, like hey man, I'm willing to spend ten grand on a frame. So what's another four hundred dollar seat post? You know, who cares? <laughs> I don't like my seat post made out of aluminum, aluminium. I like it made out of carbon. I like it made out of steel. You know. Yeah. The bike world is rife with lack of standards. Like we changed from prototype to hypocrite. We changed from a T30 to a T47 bottom bracket. So it's just ginormous, right? And then you've got internal bearings versus external bearings. I mean, holy cow. It It's all over the place. So it was nice to have at least one standard in the UDH. Complete sidebar, but that I was going to replace some bearings on my road bike. And I had, like, I'm shade tree bike mechanic at best maybe yeah um but i like i just pulled them apart and you know went to my local bike shop and was like oh i just need some new bearings and you know he opens the book of well uh it's not going to be that easy and (laughs) (laughs) like well which type is it and what's the sizing and you know like oh okay this is this is one of those things that people don't see that give no consideration to that is super complex and super important you know, that's the other thing about the uh, impetus to keep going with the idea of heavy bikes, to have a solid frame that might weigh just a pound or three more than a standard off-the-shelf plastic carbon fiber frame, you know, is like, well, what if we just focus on where weight really matters, which is rotational weight and friction? So equip the bike with the lightest wheels that you can afford with the fastest bearings you can get and go. Go. I love fast bearings. That's the one thing. When I do finally get uh, to a point where I'm uh, in the market, that's that's what's changing on my trek. Uh, hey, you should get. I, I honestly think you should look at some Onyx Onyx racing hubs out of uh, out of uh, Saint Cloud, and you can get them with ceramic bearings, and then you tie them with some bird spokes, and then you throw some head hoops on there, and you keep it all in Minnesota, and you get all the craziest stuff because the the bird spokes are a poly carbon fiber cloth spoke. I mean, it looks like a string when it's just lying there. And then you you string it taut through the rim. Can I get these anodized in whatever color I want, like the Kings? The hubs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's aluminum. 
you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Yep. And they make them for big Those guys too. Sweet. Yep. Oh, I just opened it the up. Vesper, Holy cow. I believe. <laughs> yeah. They actually and so have then they're more silent. Colors. This is the other thing. They're silent. So they use a different pe- bearing technology than than King, and they they approach the market from silent. So the impetus was uh, Christensen Systems ownership had a, a a child or two that was interested in BMX uh, bicycling, I believe, and they kept blowing up hubs, and they're like, hey, let's make a better hub. And uh, they made a better hub, and then some of those kids went on to win medals in the Olympics. So it's pretty cool. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. Spread clutch modular free heavy. Ceramic hybrid bearings. You should enunciate better. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to put a link to these and the rest of these, right? In the, oh, they're uh, all fun the friends. And notes. that's what's neat yeah. about not... I mean, think about it. If you had a standard for bearings, you wouldn't have this innovation, right? right. Um, and so, you know, but you do have standards of measurement, right? You have the whole ABEX system, right? And then you go to full-on ceramic, which this just shows, like, this could be the thing that Apple could do as well to, to bring it back. They could change different materials inside the cable structure, and maybe they get better connectivity. You know, maybe you make them in San Francisco with old Forty Nine er gold, and then you have the best <laughs> connectivity there is. Well, and I I just saw I think it was this week while I was out at uh, Pack Expo I saw California pass the right to repair on like appliances, and that's one where, and uh, you can hear my refrigerator. For those of you following along, there's a fan that's gone bad, and the fan, the new fan, is sitting in a box next to it that I got. Like, that's my project later, but I do appreciate the fact that I can go in, find those parts, and and repair things. Part of me wishes that there were more repair people that could do that. Like, that's a dying art. Like, it's a dying art, but sure. the internet is one of the reasons why it kills it, right? I mean, I fix it, you know, and YouTube can, can you know, you can do anything, like. Why replace your dryer? If you have a dryer from, you know, aside from energy efficiency, like, holy cow, that dryer is, what, uh, 24 parts? Well, if there's that. so much stuff on YouTube. Like, I was fixing my wa- my old washer, and uh, there's, like, a clip that holds the, the front panel on. Yep. I, I, for the life of me, could not figure out how to get that clip on. And so I literally Googled, like, stupid clip for Whirlpool washer. Yep. And, like, sure enough, there was the YouTube clip of, like, oh, no, you turn it this way, and whoop, there you go. Yep. It's awesome. Wonderful. And then with Neuralink, you'll just you'll just Google that in your mind and then you'll know how to do things. So we're like ten years out from just being capable. And I think that's what changes things. I you know, may, maybe I hope so, right? And and it's a I, fun uh, argument to go from thumbs to direct connection to the internet. Yeah. Right now we have thumb connection or we have voice connection. Which is probably the other thing that's neat about the Apple ecosystem. Like the the effort that Apple spends on the automation of Siri, right? I mean, that's pretty fascinating. And then the connectivity the experience you get when you use Siri with other Apple devices like headphones and their versus Android or any other setup. Yeah, I... Uh... I don't use Siri a ton, though. No, you need to. It's automation. Yeah, but I, I'm old school and I got thumbs. <laughs> Tyler, you got an opinion on that? 
I I'm with Justin on this one actually, but really, I, I like to swear at Siri. My wife made me change Siri from a female Australian voice to a male Australian voice because I I tend to go really off the rails when I swear at Siri. I like to use all the all the c words and all the other words in the dictionary. So the thing that I've gotten frustrated with lately is uh, so I've got all of my lights and things tied to Amazon, right? So I'm using Alexa and. Uh, because of the proximity of some of these speakers, I think it hears me in two different po- places at the same time. And actually the one on my desk here is starting to wake up and it's listening as we speak. So I can see the little blue bar going. Yeah, she didn't quite get yeah, that. Unplug her. Um, but but that's something that I've noticed is like, I'll say, hey, turn on the, the lights in my living room. And one of them will do it. And then the other one in the next room over must have like super heard me and then freaks out and shuts them back off right away. And I'm like... This like the there's some work in the automation. Oh, and, totally. And the what's going on? But if you don't participate, like, you can't help. Sure. So so I use the Amazon version because I don't have to do anything when I'm on my phone and probably just because I don't have it turned on right. Um, I just don't. It's it's not a thing. Hmm. I don't know. It's on my winter project list to do. Like, have you heard of Home Assistant? No. It's like Raspberry Pi, like roll your own sort of home automation. Okay. So that's, I haven't, I haven't jumped into the world. I just have pieces to create the world. So what's the interface to that? And I'm pulling it up right now. Like, can I talk to it? Um, you, I believe you can, uh, but it's all like local hosted. So it's, you know, it literally sits on a raspberry Pi and then, Anything that's like internet enabled and connected that's at your house on your Wi-Fi, you can connect to it and get a status and do all of that stuff. And you can so, write to it, essentially. Yes. Yep. So you can you can actuate the status of things from one to zero. Yep. I see. So it looks like you can. Huh. We'll put a link to that too, but I'm on their webpage. It looks like they can talk to Zigbee and Philips stuff and Z-Wave, and it also has interfaces to Amazon and, and Google as well. So it's not like you're completely out. Um, that's interesting to me. Huh. So have any of you guys automated your water shutoff yet? No. Nope. So that's next on my list. I had a buddy that uh, blew a valve on his water heater last week and it flooded his basement. I saw Moen makes a little valve box thing that you put a water sensor down or it can detect flow and do some AI shit and tell you whether you got a leak or not. But then it'll shut your whole main off. Um, so if you guys had done it, I'd be like, who would you use? But Just get a new water heater and walk away. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to have my basement ever. Fl- like, I'm gone for weeks at a time. What if something pops while I'm gone? I'd love it if it just shut that off for me. Well, and that that's some of why, like, so you can hook in these sensors to, like, Home Assistant and then do calculations. So, like, one of my buddies has a wood-burning stove, and he's got all the temperatures on it so he can calculate efficiency through the house, through his heater, and all this stuff. Um, I was wanting to put one like on my sump pump so I can see, you know, 
here's the amount of times it fires a day. If there's a change in that, then, you know, alert me. Tell me that something bad has happened. But, you know, one of the thousand things you can do. Right. Uh, so we're at 52 minutes. Uh, anything else we want to talk about around standards and right to repair or bicycles or uh, burning topics yet remaining before we uh, close her? No, I wish I knew a little bit more about what Tyler's background was. I feel like I've missed out on that a little bit. Oh, well, so some people might know a little bit, but Tyler, why don't you, uh, you guys go through that? Well, we got, we got seven minutes. Go for it. Yeah, I'm, where do I start? I mean, I covered some of this on, on the, uh, on the podcast, but, uh, very, non-traditional path in the automation in this world, I would say. So uh, the, the short story is I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I tried, uh, you know, I went to school. I changed my major 37 times, uh, eventually got a job in automation and uh, filled in some of the school in the back end while working full time and uh, start started as a system integrator and uh, went to an end user after a big project in uh, water wastewater and then uh, went to a manufacturer in Minnesota here and then ended up in my current spot at another manufacturer. Cool. So. Cool. But very much on the controls and software side of things. Yeah. All, all controls very much in the like process control. Um, so less all, all of my stuff is typically in pipes, which is not as fun as, robots and motion control but pipes are important yeah the the uh the joke not joke is that uh you know when when my stuff goes wrong it typically makes the news so (laughs) yeah i get it i've been there but also his definition of real time isn't in micro or nanoseconds it's in like minutes oh yeah if we're seconds we're cruising i mean that's that's yeah. fast yeah. in my world. Yeah, I'm trying to change the industry from 30 days to 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. And that so generally encapsulates whatever you're doing. So, yeah, how, how'd you fall into all of your uh, ventures here? Uh, well, um, I benefit from identity identification. So I knew at seventh grade I needed to be 100% commission. I became 100% commissioned in 2011 after spending four and a half years as an application engineer for compressors and then a couple years in system design and spec reading. And then I became 100% commissioned on OEM-focused motor control. And, you know, you don't... I'm a full-on... I didn't realize this until probably 13 years ago or so, but I mean, not even maybe six, seven, eight years ago. Full-on ADHD, ultra-marathon, running, high-energy, go, you know, I forget things very easily, which is very beneficial. It's a skill I developed from dealing cards, and that is that you got to forget, you know, quickly, and then you can move on, right, and make decisions faster, and so... I learned quickly that I needed to learn from context and I helped machine builders make things and it was very intoxicating to watch people make things. Um, 
I think I have a pretty textbook case of womb envy, something I learned about in, uh, I think it was uh, Sociology 200. And um, so making things is very intoxicating. So then I started getting to a place of means. And more importantly, I began to have relationships that were built uh, exclusively on trust and respect of each other's skill sets. And that, combined with means, enables us to take risks. And... just kind of stopped going to Vegas and started betting on myself and my friends. And uh, the craps table that is entrepreneurship is a big pool and uh, I'm headfirst into it. and It's pretty fun. Um, and a lot of it is adjacent to each other. And that's something that, you know, that not saying I'll ever be as successful in him, but that's what all the best do. You know, like what Rockefeller did, what Buffett does. There's a lot of adjacencies and what they built and when you kind of cast a focus but wide net that then enables you like so heavy bikes enables foundry casting systems foundry casting systems enables heavy bikes um so that's that's the example of adjacencies and that also provides context to learn and knowledge is power and experience is everything and so if you don't take the risk to have the experience what are you going to learn? And you can go and read a book and you're probably better at it than I am. hundred percent. No, you are. But like doing things like I'm, I've, I hear in your jumping around from jobs, Tyler, you've done a lot of things and you've executed and you've made projects come to life. And that, that is what I think is so fun is to have an idea and then ride that idea a hundred miles in a race. Like that's cool. And I won't turn back because I've done it now. So it's like, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. Let's go. So so what would you say to, like, to people in corporate America that are thinking of that, like, entrepreneur headfirst jump? What what pushed you over? Uh, I mean, I had a friend just tap me on the shoulder and it's like, hey, you should sell this. You're really good at selling things. And... At the time, and I still do it today, I sell things that are that cost anywhere from pennies or fractions of a penny to, you know, five figures, right? Like $35,000 list price. I mean, it's list price, but $35,000 uh, 950-amp contactor. That's pretty cool. It's fun, right? You OEM, you probably buy that for a, a pretty solid discount, you know? You're used in windmills and things like that. But wouldn't it be cool to build a system with your buddies and sell it for seven figures? So uh, I'm coming at it to your question. I'm coming at it from the sales vector, right? Not only do I want to build these things and be a part of the team that builds this and executes on this idea, I want to be a part of the idea that convinces somebody else that what they're doing could be better if they bought this, right? Your ride through the woods could be better if you're on a heavy bike, and here's why. Your solidification environment and your uh, the, the business cash flow of your sand casting non-ferrous foundry could be improved because you send out 50% of your parts right now to hot isostatic pressure outside surfaces, and that's two weeks. We could remove that, and we could control your environment and solidify 
in a controlled environment with Foundry Casting Systems technology. And therefore, you get two weeks of your money back, right? Out of your, we're talking about improving cash velocity by controlling the environment with automation. And that's what we do at Foundry Casting Systems. And so to go and convince somebody who's in the game for 6,000 years, right? That's how old sound casting is. To change the game and say, hey, why don't you just get rid of that hope that's in your business model right now and have some certainty, right? And so that's, that's what's interesting. And so like, do you, do you have the energy that you hear coming out of my voice for doing what you do at your corporate job right now? If you do, bravo, bravo. But to, like, <laughs> do you not hear the enthusiasm that's in me that's just like spewing out in electrons and floating over the waves to your ears right now? Like that's why I do this. Like it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And even before that leap, right? So, so Charlie and I got to work together for, I don't know, call it a half a dozen years. And, uh, it's just fun when you get to work with good people and, and you get to have a little fun with it. So, yeah, like that's all I want to do is just continue to work with my friends. That's it. Like, you know, and so if I can find a way to convey what, a, what, what value you can get from these ideas and that funds, you know, more, I mean, cause I've got a, I've got a list on my phone that's deep, right? And it's like, just just give me 20,000 square feet with 30-foot overhead and 480-volt power and uh, in a tool budget of $2 million. Like, holy cow. I can get it done a lot quicker, just half a million, too. I can start there. But the the game is is you don't want to wake up at 65 and go, well, I punched the clock for 42 years. I don't. That's that's just me. I can't speak for anybody else. And if that security is something that you value, then that's more of the value that I have in the uh, the risk that we're taking in on these entrepreneurial efforts. And it is risky, dude. And heavy bikes is right now just a black hole of cash, right? Like there's no upside right now. It should be called a red hole, I guess. So like, you know, that, like that's, that's the thing. Like, and so my toleration for risk is just much different than I think other folks. And, uh, I've been told multiple times that my, um, the way I work would not be conducive in corporate America, but guess what? I work with corporate American people all day long. That's where I work, you know? So on that note, we have hit the hour typical episode length dude you and your standards standards (laughs) yo an hour people are already gonna start fading they're like i only had an hour to kill i'm out i Um, hope your ride on the elliptical was great (laughs) right i hope your commute is easier any uh you have now reached your destination that's right any uh closing words we'll start with tyler no great to meet you charlie and uh look forward to the next one yes Great to meet you as well. Charlie. And Thanks, Andy. everybody. Yeah. We need to do this more often. I keep saying that every time we have one. Yes. Yes, we do. And with that, we'll, uh, we'll catch you all later. Thanks. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed your time with us, please like and subscribe. Keep the letters coming to automationadvocates at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions in this show are ours and not representative of our employers. While normally polished, occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Forgive us for that one.